was here. I'm going to kind of put my hand up here and see many, 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 many. Okay, great. Awesome. Okay, so there's just a few of you. I just kind of want to briefly talk about this, and it'll open up to what we're going to do this evening. Um, so the vision that I feel like the Lord's given us for women's ministry is it looks a little bit different than some. I don't know. But um, we're actually going to break it into a quarterly rotation. Okay, so every three months, we're going to do something different, and then it will repeat, okay? And so for the first month, we will have like a, what we'll call a large gathering where we'll bring in um, maybe outside speakers or like Pastor Emily will teach. Um, that will be next month, and we'll have a full worship team. Um, and... Uh, and that's what that will look like. Our second month, which was last month, we're gonna have breakout sessions, okay? And that really, there's, this is twofold. It's really a chance for those of you that are like, man, I, you know, I've been saved for four years, um, but I don't understand the prophetic, or I've been saved, or what, whatever, and I, I just have this hunger for healing. I feel like I have a gift for healing, but I don't know what to do with it. We're gonna bring in different people um, within the church and maybe without the church, or outside of the church, not without the church, but um, of our church, to just um, um, impart those things to us. And so this is, I, I feel like this was a really cool thing that the Lord um, showed us to do because um, we, want to, um, we want to be empowered, right? We want to empower you guys because I believe that this ministry will eventually grow in numbers. And when the people from Greeley come in, we all got to know how to minister to them. It's not the job of me. It's not Pastor Emily's job. It's not the job of the leadership team. It's the body of Christ, right? So we all got to know how we got to do this thing. So that's kind of the point of breakout sessions, um, which we will, so we will do that a couple of months down the, the line. And then the third month is gonna be another teaching. We'll, we'll do it on a smaller scale, which is tonight. Um, sometimes it may happen in the elementary room, but sometimes in here, it'll be a low, um, smaller scale on worship. And then myself, Emily, or um, one other girl, we're gonna, we're gonna do an in-depth Bible study. And we just wanna start driving into the word of God. And we wanna study women of the Bible. And we're going to try to pick the ones that really aren't taught on very often, get to know their lives, see how God used them in their culture, and then how that applies to our lives here, okay? And so that's what we're doing tonight, is we're going to study a woman of the Bible. I'm really excited about that. I, I like to, to get to know these ladies. They're pretty, pretty great. So if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and flip them open to 1 Samuel 1. And we're going to get there in just a minute. Um, the worship tonight, Emily and Jory do not know what I'm teaching on tonight. And they set this up. So I know without a shadow of a doubt that the Lord is set up what he wants to do. I know this is a word for tonight. And, um, and I love it when he does this. I, I want us to know and to be women and to be a church that knows how to cultivate hope, okay? Not just to have hope, because sometimes when we say, oh, I have hope for that, when, when you know, it gets rough and rocky, all of a sudden we're like, well, now I feel hopeless. We shouldn't be like that. We should be even keeled. We should be able to press through. Some circumstances do look hopeless, but we should be able to live in an atmosphere where we can cultivate hope, right? Do you guys agree with that? And so we're gonna actually look at the life of Hannah. We're gonna talk real briefly about her. And I feel like we can draw that from her. We can draw and see how she cultivated hope, even when it got really tough, and how, how then we can apply it to our own lives, okay? 
And so um, a couple definitions, because that's what you do when you teach is you give definitions, but they are interesting. I do find this very, very interesting. Um, Merriam-Webster defines hope as um, to cherish a desire with anticipation. To cherish a desire, to have a desire for something and to cherish it knowing the outcome will be good, okay? In the Greek, the word for hope, there's actually a picture that we can get and it's the word tikva, but it, it's a picture and it, it is a, a cord that acts in it as an attachment to something. Okay, so you guys know in the New Testament, there's those scriptures that say that you know, Jesus is our hope, right? It's, it's kind of like if we're over here and Jesus is up here, the, the thing that we're attached to, the cord that attaches us to the Lord, that's hope. That's the hope, right? I like to say it's like the umbilical cord of heaven. It's kind of our lifeline. Within that umbilical cord, there's also peace, there's faith, but hope's a big one. Because how many of you know, it's, it's a little dark out there. It's pretty hopeless out in the world. We encounter people daily that have hopeless situations, right? We need to be a women that cultivate hope. We walk in hope. That is what will attract the world to, to Jesus, right? Okay, so with that in mind, let's, we're just gonna read her story. We're gonna let the Bible do the work and we are gonna read. So... Let's start in verse one. Here we go. We got a lot of reading to do. It says, there was a certain man from Ramathaim, a Zuphite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jerohoam, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuph, and Ephraimite. He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of meat to his wife Penina and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on till she wept and would not, or I'm sorry, this went on year after year. Um, Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than 10 sons? Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered her, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you've asked of him. And she said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went away and ate something and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning, they rose and worshiped before the Lord and went back to their home in Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant 
and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel saying, because I asked the Lord for him. Let's pray real quick. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Lord God, I ask that you just open our hearts, open our eyes, open our ears, Lord. Reveal your spiritual truth in this day, in this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. So Hannah, there's a couple things about, a few things about this story I wanna point out before we get too far into this. First of all, um, I, want, I, want to, I want you to realize that Hannah knew the Lord, okay? It said year after year, she would ask for a child. She'd ask for a, a, a child and she knew the Lord. Didn't come, her answer didn't come right away, but she knew God. Second thing I want you to notice is where the setting of this story takes place takes place in a, in a town called Shiloh, okay? At this point, Shiloh is Israel's um, worship center, for lack of a better word, okay? It's where the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant are. It's really where the presence of God resided, okay? So the people would come and they would make their sacrifices. The third thing I want us to recognize is Hannah's request and her vow, Okay? Hannah didn't just ask for a child. Actually, year after year, she asked for a child, but she came to a place where she asked for a son. And that's important that we recognize that because you see in, in Israel's history or in this time, the most consecrated position you could have before the Lord was that of a priestly position. And she would need a son if she was truly gonna dedicate him back to the Lord, right? And so Hannah's verbiage began to change as we read that. Instead of asking for a child, she became very specific on what she was asking God for. She asked for a son. It was from hope in God. She was, she was in a place of hope in God, knowing that I want this impossible thing. I've asked you for a child year after year. You're the only one that can make this possible. She, it was from a hope in God, a place in Shiloh that Hannah makes this vow. And finally, I want us to look at Hannah's response, or at Eli's response to Hannah. Okay, he, he says to her, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you've asked for. He has no idea what she's asking for, right? He just sees, she, she looks like a lunatic, basically. She looks drunk, she's crazy. He knows she's asking for something. And he says, oh, okay, well, may the God of Israel grant you what you've asked for. He didn't know what she was asking for, but God was listening. God heard. He heard every part of it. I loved what Emily said up here because this is it's in my notes. I could show it to each one of you. But I do believe that the Lord is stirring something in the body of Christ, but especially in, in this room for, for you guys today. And it is those desires, it is those dreams that maybe you've set aside, um, you've laid them dormant, it's been years. Maybe you're like, man, that's just not gonna happen. And you set them aside. And I, I, I believe the Lord is here and he wants to do something in you. He wants to deposit hope, he wants to stir hope, and he wants to awaken hope in you. Okay, so we're gonna dive into each three of those things and we're gonna use this story and see what does that look like? What does it look like when the Lord deposits hope? Okay, let's pretend like hope or you're a dream you have or a desire you have for something is kind of in seed form and you don't even have it yet, okay? It's just in seed form, it's kind of, it's originated by the Lord, it's up in heaven floating around or whatever, okay? And he looks to and fro, in the earth and he says, who can I give this to? Who can I, who can I trust with this? Who will hope 
in me for this thing, even if it takes years and years and years to come. You guys, the Bible is full of heroes that waited years and years and years for their promise. And some of them didn't even get to see it, right? That's Hebrews 11. Um, But so he takes this thing and he finds the person that he wants to deposit it into. And he plops it in him, okay? And all of a sudden, something inside of you is like, man, I never wanted that before, but now... I want to understand healing. I want to understand the prophetic. I want to write a book. I want to go to, mini- the, um, to ministry school. I don't know. I want to go to the missions field. Whatever it is, all of a sudden, you start just feeling a desire for something. This is the Lord. This is the Lord. He deposits something. And let me tell you about something, um, about the way the Lord deposits. When he deposits something in you, he does it because he wants a return on his investment. Okay, we can translate that to money. Let's think about if we have a chunk of money and how we wanna make it work for us, right? We can take it to the bank and we can put it in a savings account or trust or whatever, all those IRSs, whatever they are. And after, after years, once it matures, when we go back, we're gonna get more than what we put in, aren't we? The cool thing about God is he's not near as interested in money as he is in people. When he deposits a hope, a desire inside of you, It's gonna cost something, but it's because he wants a return on this investment he's giving into you, okay? God is a much bigger thinker. He is kingdom-minded. He is big picture thinking. And oftentimes we're so focused on, oh, but why isn't that happening? And I'm not downplaying that. I've been there. I know that's hard. But a lot of times God's like, come up, look look higher because there's there's a return coming. There's a greater thing coming. Let me just see where I am. How's that for awkward? (laughs) Um, So it is God. God is the one who placed that seed of hope in Hannah. Now, is it cruel of God to do that? Because what we read in this word, when we read through this story, it also said that God closed her womb. Isn't that interesting? It was the Lord who closed her womb, and yet he also is the one who gave her a desire. It is not cruel of the Lord to do that. And here's why. Because what the Lord desires from all of us is to reside in a place of hope, is to live in a culture, in an atmosphere of hope. That is the only way that you and I can be effective to the world around us, right? Not the only way, but it's one of the main ways. Is to, he's teaching us in the waiting process, in the waiting period, to say, God, I don't know how this is gonna come to pass, but you're the God of the impossible. You can make it possible. My job is to cultivate hope and protect that word and say yes in your timing. God is the one who deposits hope. He is not cruel when he gives you something and doesn't answer it right away. In fact, if Hannah would have gotten pregnant right away, why would she have ever given her child? There was purpose for Samuel. We're gonna see that. Israel's, um, Israel was gonna be shifted. Their entire world was gonna start going a different way because of Samuel. And we'll talk about that. But God deposits hope. He's the originator of it. That's very liberating too. You, when, when the Lord is the one who deposits that hope in us, it now becomes his job to make it happen, right? He is good. Along with depositing hope, he is the one who stirs hope in us. This gets me. I'm gonna read read Romans 8 and 
And I feel like every time I read this, this stirring just wells up in my spirit. And I'm like, Lord, I don't know how to convey this in human language, but we're gonna go with it. And so I just want you guys to read this and just let it minister to you because it is a good word. All right, Romans 8, 24 through 28. It says, for in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Ooh, that's a tough word. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance to the will of God. What? What in the world is happening? Guys, first of all, okay, things that we hope for, right? We can't see them. They haven't come to fruition yet. And God says, but when I give you that hope, when I give you that thing to hope for, then wait for it patiently. Wait for it patiently, right? We have the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit is patience. But you know what he says in the very next sentence? He also understands the way he created us. And he said, but I know that through their patience, they're also weak. I know these people are also weak. He knows our weakness. He knows when we're like, God, but this thing, you promised me, you told me, when is it gonna come to pass? He knows that. He knows our weakness. And so what does he do? Spirit of God begins to intercede for us. He searches our heart. He searches our heart. He looks at those things he put on, in us while being the mind of God. This is incredible. Do you ever think like when you're, when you're, um, you're, you've been crying out for something, you're just like, God, win, win. And you just don't, eat, there's no more words. You're just like, ugh, right? It's a groan. You have now become um, one and you are now interceding with the Holy Spirit. You are interceding with the Holy Spirit for the will of God to be done in that situation. That is so powerful. If we can wrap our mind around that, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable the invitation that we have to come in to this, into this place, into this stirring and intercession with the will of God so he can have his way in our life. We see this with Hannah. Hannah is, is um, weeping. She is pouring everything out at Shiloh, right? She is so distraught that, that the Eli, the priest, is like, she's drunk. She's crazy. But what's going on? She is saying, God, if you will give me this one thing, I'll give him back to you. I'll give him back to you. She was in intercession. She was in intercession. I absolutely believe that. The Holy Spirit was moving within her. He was stirring up that hope. Don't give up. You keep going. You keep moving forward. That is incredible. I could just chew on that. I didn't read 28 for a reason. Verse 28. It says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. His will for your life is good. His will for Hannah's life is good. Let me tell you, in the story of Hannah, do you wanna know what the will of God was? It was Samuel. The will of God in that story, did he love Hannah? Absolutely. Does he have a will for her? Absolutely. But the will of God in that story was to find a woman who would say, if you'll give me this one son, I will give him back to you. And God said, now you got it. Now we're gonna make this thing happen. That's amazing. The Lord deposits hope 
He stirs them, and then he wakes them up. How does that look? How does hope awaken look? We sang about it tonight. Hope awaken looks like total surrender. It looks like total surrender. There's a strange peace that comes when you can take these things that you cherish, that you desire, that you hope for, and just say, God, do with them what you want. I can't make this thing happen. It's overwhelming peace. I believe, I believe that Hannah's womb was woken up in the moment of her surrender. I believe God woke it up. She said, it's very interesting, the dialogue that happens after she cries out for Samuel, after she cries out for him, says that Eli looks at her, right? We kind of talked about this already. He said, um, go in peace and may, God, the, may the Lord, God of Israel, grant you what you've asked for, right? What you, what you desire. Do you know what he's saying? He's actually speaking prophetically. Because you know what? If God gives her what she asked for, that little boy is coming right to him. He's actually getting a little boy, right? He's gonna be the one that would raise him. And then what, San, what, um, what Hannah responds to him when she says, um, gosh, sorry, guys. Well, whatever. Her response also, oh yeah, may you find sir, um, favor in your servant's eyes. May, may God find um, favor, or may I find favor. She needed favor from Eli in order to bring her son to him. This was an incredible dialogue that happens right after this crazy intercession takes place. Hannah surrendered her hope for a child when she left the temple. And when she left the temple that day, the days to follow, she got pregnant. And she held to her end of the vow. When Samuel was old enough, when he was weaned, she took him and she gave him to Eli. You know, God is a rewarder of faithfulness and obedience because that's not the end of Hannah's story. In, in the next couple chapters, I don't remember where it is, but Hannah went on to have five more children. She had three boys and two girls. But God was looking for the one to say, if you, give me that boy back. Give me that boy back. He rewards faithfulness and obedience. In 2006, in the spring, my husband and I had three boys. And we were, we were doing great, life was good. And, um, and we were trying to decide if we wanted to have any more children. I, um, I did not do well on birth control. And um, if I'm off of birth control, we were most likely gonna have a kid. So we were trying to figure out, like, do we need to make some permanent decisions or, or what are we gonna do? And, and my husband really was okay not having any more children. He was doing great with boys. He was raised with brothers. And so girls scared him to death. But uh, when, um, as, I grew, as I was growing up, I always wanted a girl and a boy. I mean, I didn't care how many. I just wanted each. And so this was a desire in my heart. And one morning, one early morning during this time, I woke up and I was spending some time with the Lord. And, and I, I just started praying. And I said, Lord, um, what do you want to do with this? I have a desire for a little girl. But if this is not the desire from you, if this is not the plan for, for our life, for our family, I need you to take this because we need to make some decisions. Me and my husband do. You know, like you're telling God, like, I gotta make decisions, right? And, um, and he, you know, I just began to pour out my heart 
And I was willing to give up this desire if he would take it from me. Okay, let me tell you what surrender is not. It does not look like manipulation. Remember, it is the Holy Spirit that is searching our heart. And he knows, he's a lot wiser and he knows our motivations, right? Surrender is like, God, I will give this up. If you will take this from me, I'll give it up to you. Okay, and so he took me to Psalm 37.4. I have heard this verse many, many times. Many of you have. I'd never really heard anything taught on it or preached on it before, but the Holy Spirit opened my eyes to it and I read it very differently. But it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself. Enjoy the presence of the Lord. Spend time in the presence of the Lord. Trust the presence of the Lord delight yourself in the presence of the Lord. And I read it this way. The Holy Spirit opened my eyes and he said, and he will give you the things your heart is to desire. You see, in the presence of the Lord, that's where God deposits things. That's where God stirs things. And that's where God wakes things up. And it was in that moment that I was like, oh my gosh, this is not, this is not something I'm conjuring up. I'm not being selfish for a girl This desire that I have for a daughter is actually coming from heaven. This is heaven's idea. This is God's idea. And so I I just cried because that's what I do when God talks to me. I cry a lot. And I said, all right, Lord, this is not possible right now because my husband does not want any more children. And so I am trusting you that if this is your plan for my life, you have to make this come come to pass. And I left it there. Closed my Bible, went on with my morning, got my kids ready. The boys woke up and my husband and I were getting ready. I was um, doing my hair and he's in the shower. And I, I sincerely, I don't know why this thought came into my mind, but I just said it. And I said, hey, babe, if you are done having kids, I'm okay with that. I'm really okay with that. And his response, he was, he kind of, you know, shown me what he's doing. So he's washing his hair and he kind of looks up like he's talking to God. And he said, you bet. You know, you know that's right because God, you're not getting any more kids out of me. My husband loves the Lord. He does not tell God what to do, okay? But, uh, but in that moment, he was like, you're not getting any more kids out of me. And so anyway, day went on and I don't really think about it again. We go to bed that night and um, you know when you're kind of newlywed and in the, you have those in the middle of the night intimacy, intimate moments and then you just go back to sleep? Okay, well, let me just tell you that, that happened that night, Okay come to the end of the month and I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. And my husband are like, how is this possible? We had been so careful. There was only one night that could have happened. And that was less than 24 hours after I surrendered. I surrendered this desire for a little girl. We found out we were having a little girl a few months later. There was a little, little baby girl in my tummy. And when we went to name her, I, I just love this. We, we knew she was a divine gift from the Lord. Like this was absolutely the Lord. The, the Lord. And so we were like, God, you're naming her. This, one, this is almost like a hands-off <laughs> girl. And, um, and so we started looking through several names and one jumped off the page and it is Michaela. It's a form of Michael. And it means who is like God. And I love it because it's almost a mockery to every spiritual thing that tries to even elevate itself to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no one like God. When he says something to you, when he deposits something in your heart, there is no one and nothing that will stop that from coming to pass. Amen?
And so her name is Michaela. Her middle name is Shay, and she knows why she's named Shay. Um, it's kind of funny, but when, when he found out, when my husband found out that he, we were pregnant, he said, touche, God, touche. Like, this is an honest promise. It's a, and so when we found out we were having a, a girl, he said, her middle name's gotta be Shay. And, and she thinks it's the funniest story. She's 12 now, so she's old enough to hear why. So Michaela Shay, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. He will give you the things you are to, to desire. He will give you those things that you look at it and you're like, I didn't go to school for that. That seems impossible. Lord, look at that person in the wheelchair. He's like, go, go lay hands on him. See him walk. That's impossible, God. I know, I know it looks impossible to you, but it's not with me. Go do it. In the presence of the Lord, we do this. That word heart in, in Psalms, that word does not just, it doesn't just mean this, right? It encompasses everything. Our will, our emotions, it's everything. Everything we do. When you spend time with the Lord, he'll give you every, every path to take. No, no, go that way. Go do it that way. Do that, right? He becomes the center. He becomes the control. He becomes the one who gives you all those desires. They're his ideas. He's the originator of them. Our job is just to partner with him and to cultivate hope when it gets exhausting and we don't see those things come to pass right away. The last thing I want to talk about, this is really a, a cool picture. It's really incredible. You guys remember the name of the town that all this took place in? Hannah took place and where she laid everything before the Lord was Shiloh. Now Shiloh, the, the word Shiloh, it's very difficult to translate in English. The best translation we have for it is to whom it belongs. To whom it belongs. This word actually was, um, was first introduced to the Bible in Genesis 49.10. This is when Jacob is blessing his sons. He's getting ready to die. He's blessing each of them. They're going to become the 12 tribes of Israel, right? And he's talking to his son Judah. And this is what he says. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he to whom it belongs shall come and the obedience of the nations shall be his. This was spoken in Genesis. This is talking about kingship. This is talking about Jesus Christ. Ezekiel is gonna echo this in 21, 27. It says, a ruin, a ruin, I will make it a ruin. The crown will not be restored until he to whom it rightfully belongs shall come. To him, I will give it. Guys, these verses, they, they speak about kingship. They speak about lordship, right? You see, up until this point, Israel was, was run by judges and priests, okay? But Samuel is getting ready to come onto the scene here. When I said there was purpose for Samuel, there was purpose for Samuel because Samuel was gonna be the last judge of Israel. He was going to be the last judge of Israel and God was going to use his life to, to usher in the kings of Israel. He would um, anoint King Saul and then King David. Israel was taking a whole new turn. Guys, you have no idea what you carry within you. 
You have no idea what you carry within you. You have no idea what, how the Lord might ch- um, change the course of history through you because of what you carry. But you need hope. You need to cultivate that hope and say, God, I don't know how, but you do. And I trust you. And in your timing, this will come about. One of Jesus' names is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Lion of the tribe of Judah, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Shiloh, to whom it belongs. Everything we are, everything we have belongs to Jesus. Hannah surrendered everything at a place of Shiloh, the place of Shiloh. She surrendered everything to him. And I think the Lord is just saying, just surrender everything to me. We know that. We already know some of these things, but I, I, I just feel like um, the Lord, it, he's awakening things in us. He's stirring things in us. And our job is to take it like this. Okay, I'll take it, but I'm gonna leave my hand open because I'm giving it right back to you. I'm surrendering it back to you. Surrender doesn't look like weakness. Surrender is one of the most powerful positions we can live our lives from. It's God who stirs and he deposits and he awakens hope in each one of us. I just feel like we're supposed to posture ourselves for a few minutes because I feel like the Lord has each of us in a different place. Some of us are like, Maybe you're like, I don't know that I really have anything to hope for right now. Not like you're hopeless, but you may not have a dream. Maybe you've seen kind of everything go as planned and you're like, this is awesome. And God has you in a prime position to say, I have something new for you to do. And so you just need to hold your hands out and say, all right, what do you have for me? We did this during worship. It was incredible. I was like, you guys are preaching the message. Like, this is what the Lord is doing right now. You know, so, so many times we're like, God, what are you doing? What do you want me to do? When you start seeing it repetitive like this, this is what he's doing. Our job is to get in agreement with him and receive, right? Some of you need your hope stirred. Mm-hmm. Some of you are like, man, I know that thing, but I've been waiting a long time. And he's getting ready to put you in intercession mode. I love intercession mode. I don't understand it. But it is an incredible place. It is a groan from the belly. And it is, God, I want to line up with your will. I don't want to question your will in my life. I want to do what you want to do. And the others of you need to be in a surrendered state. It's time to stop holding on to that. It's time to release it and say, God, even, this is how I truly do pray. It's really how I operate in my life. If I want something so bad, I actually will say, but God, even if it never comes to pass, I will still declare your goodness and your faithfulness in my life because he's worthy. Even if he does, never does another thing for me, he took that cross so that I could be with him forever. That's Surrender even if I never get it. I surrender. So let's, uh, 
who's back there? No one's back there. Um, yes, we, yes, okay. We're gonna get some music in the background. I feel like we're just supposed to posture ourselves. You know where you are supposed to be or, or where you are, I guess, in this. And I just want you to press in for a few minutes. I just think we're supposed to do this individually. God's not gonna deposit hope in you through somebody else. They might prophesy over you. You have the choice to receive that or not. But I feel like the Lord wants to deposit very specific things in some of you. And some of you just need to be stirred. Mm, Holy Spirit. Spirit of the living God, we just welcome you. Spirit of the living God fall on this place, fall fresh on this place, fall fresh on your people, fall fresh on your women, God. Spirit of the living God. We just surrender right now to you.